I was thinking we got started a little, a little bit late on a couple of things this morning, and and uh, Brother Paul said, uh, I think Brother Paul, he's usually the smart aleck in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> one of them said, uh, "Preacher, you're getting started a little late. That's going to come five minutes off of your sermon today." <laughs> my wife, we we got a bunch of people that really love the Lord. They just don't care for my sermons, and. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my wife, I think, is one of the greatest mothers in the world. Uh, my wife said this morning, if you really want to do something special for the mothers today, you know, restaurants are usually kind of crowded on Mother's Day, and some people want to take their mom out, feed her a nice meal, and you ought to. And she said, if you really want to do something nice for mothers today, don't preach a long time. <laughs> she hears me preach all the time, I mean, at home and uh, everywhere. So we'll be reading in 1 Samuel in just a moment, and I want to speak for a little while about a mother that I think is a hero. We've got several mothers in the Bible that are heroes, and we've got several mothers that have been with us down through history and some that are alive today that are great heroes, in, in my opinion. And I want to just preach on Hannah, a hero mom, in 1 Samuel Chapter number one. Now there was a certain man of Ramathah Zophim of the Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Joraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. Now, moms, if you're looking for a name to name your kids, right there, several. Name your, name your son, Zuf. <laughs> Verse 2. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord, the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Now let me just stop and say right there, Hophni and Phinehas, they were running the religious show and the ceremonies and things, but they were wicked and evil men. And just because somebody's religious doesn't mean they're good. Verse 4, And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. Uh, that's a uh, full meal deal. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord has shut up her womb. Did you see those words there? The Lord had shut up her womb. That's what it says, isn't it? Yeah. And her adversary, speaking of Peninnah, and her adversary also provoked her, her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, and she went, when she went up uh, to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept. Peninnah was provoking Hannah. Peninnah had kids and she was, she was mocking and shaming Hannah because she had no kids. And she provoked her, therefore she wept. And did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? 
And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the the priest sat uh, sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Uh, speaking of a Nazarite vow where they didn't shave their head or they didn't cut their hair and there are other restrictions as well. Verse 12. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, when she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. And I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken there hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah, Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass... When the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Can we pray right there? Father, we love you and we thank you for this example of a woman who poured out her heart to you, Lord, because of her affliction. She wanted to be a mother and Lord, you granted that to her. And Lord, you used her, you used her family, and you used that son to bring honor and glory to your name for years to come. I pray that you'd bless us as we think on this thought this morning, Lord, about mothers, and especially the hero mother of Hannah. I pray you'd just send your sweet Holy Spirit to touch our hearts, to change us and use us in a great way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In a recent Calvin and Hobbes comic strip, Calvin is standing by his mother's bed when he says, Hey, Mom, wake up. I made you a Mother's Day card. His mother was very pleased, and so she started to read the card out loud. And here's what it said. I was going to buy a card with hearts of pink and red, but then I thought I'd rather spend the money instead. 
It's awfully hard to buy things when one's allowance is so small. So I guess you're plenty lucky I got you anything at all. Happy Mother's Day. There I've said it. Now I'm done. So how about getting out of bed and fixing breakfast for your son? <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of the the way a lot of kids look at motherhood today, and and uh, maybe we don't get as much respect for the mothers as we once did or should. And it's not easy to be a mom. And uh, a mother was talking to her college old college friend and said, "I remember before I was married." And had children, I had three theories about raising kids. Now I have three kids and no theories. (laughs) Almost 90 years ago, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson, uh, longer than that now, Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day, and he established the day as a time set aside for, quote, public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. And it's true that... No nation is ever greater than its mothers, for they are the makers of the next generation. We certainly want to magnify motherhood here today, and I recognize that this is a tough day for some, and it may be a rough and tough day for you. And Mother's Day is an occasion for some that's just filled with mixed emotions rather than elation and celebration and some of you may be facing your first or maybe a recent death of a mother and it's a tough day others think of Mother's Day because they maybe grew up not even knowing who their mother was and some people on Mother's Day, don't feel a great deal of joy because maybe they had a mother, but she didn't treat their kids, the kids very well. And maybe some mothers have lost a child or or had a miscarriage and they they feel grief on such a day as this. And some people, some ladies want to have children and like Hannah, just haven't. And that can be a day of grief. But moms are wonderful and special, and I think Mother's Day is a wonderful and special day. Uh, Moms can be heroes. I grew up in the 50s and the 60s when I was, uh, I think I couldn't have been over four years old at the most. I just got a bit of memory of this happening. But in in Melbourne, Arkansas, was the county seat of Izzard County, and uh, this was an old, old town that looked like it was, uh, at, at that time, looked like it was built in the 1800s and the old cowboy days and stuff like that. And they had an old general store there. Uh, it had a tall roof with a flat front on it like you'd see in the Western uh, shows. And, and uh, that old, it had the old board floors and, and the showcases with, with merchandise inside the showcases, glass front on them and wooden framed and uh, really... They'd be expensive antiques today, but that's that was just regular stuff that they used in those days. And and I was probably four years old, and Mom that day took me with her to town. And, man, this was special because we didn't go to town every day, and we didn't go to town every week. We went maybe once every three or four weeks to get some groceries. And so I got to go with Mom that day, and I guess Dad was along too. I can't remember, you know, what he was doing. He was probably off buying some 
feed for the cattle or something like that. And so I was with mom in and, and the grocery store and Miller's Hardware and Grocery and General uh, general merchandise and walking through that old store and at four years old you know your view is limited I'm like this this high and so everything those shelves might not have been over this high but they look like mountains to me you know and uh, the aisles and the old board floors and mom had on a white dress that day had little pink flowers all over it just a a, a simple pattern and uh, I think that French design Le Fleur is that what they call it and you don't know well, you just take my word for it then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little pink flowers all over that white dress. And, and uh, the dress came down probably about mid, midways of her shins. And, and I remember the shape of my mom. I could recognize her anywhere. And she was slim in those days. And so she's, uh, she's looking at stuff on the shelves. And I'm following her along. And we come by one of those glass uh, showcases. And it had candy and stuff behind it. And so, man, I'm ooing and well and looking at that. And mom went on down there. She didn't notice I'd stopped. And she went on down the aisle and went up another aisle. And pretty soon I'm, I'm ready to leave. And so I'm through looking at the candy and I turn around and mom is gone. And here's all these tall people around me. I'm this high and I'm looking up at all those giants. And I'm thinking, where is my mother? And I got scared because this was a huge place. I mean, probably wasn't any bigger than this church house, but it seemed like big as a Walmart super center to a little four-year-old boy. And I'm looking around trying to find my mom, and I go all the way down that aisle, can't see her anywhere. Down another aisle, can't see her anywhere. By this time, I'm just about ready to burst into tears because I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> and where's mom? And I'm looking and looking and looking. And finally, I look up as I come around the corner, and there's that white dress with the pink flowers. Whew. At last... I ran up and threw my arms around her legs. And I said, Mommy. And this lady I'd never seen before looked down at me and said, Little boy, what are you doing? <laughs> it was not my mom. She had a dress like mom, but that wasn't mom. <laughs> well, mom finally found me. And boy, was she my hero. Mom was special. Mom's the one that had made a promise to me that she'd help me fix up the old hog house, we had an old hog pen out there. We didn't have any hogs at the time, but there was an old house. It wasn't any, probably about as wide as I could reach across, that big a square and a little roof on it about this high. I thought that would make an excellent fort, you know, like a playhouse. And so I was too little to do anything with it. But Mom said, Mom said son, I, I'll help you make that into a playhouse. And I guess I was probably still about four years old, and I thought this was terrific. Here's my mother. We lived on a farm. She had plenty of stuff to do. I mean, she's working from daylight till, till bedtime every day. And here's mom took time out of her busy day to get down on her knees out there in what used to be a hog pen, get down on her knees and crawl through that door and go in that old hog house and clean all the junk out of it and empty it out and put up some little shelves for me so I could have me a house of my own. <laughs> That's what moms do. She was my hero. I'll tell you a little more about her in a little bit. But I want to talk about Hannah right now. Hannah, in the scripture here, has five defining traits of a woman of faith. Are you listening? A woman of faith. A faithful mother. A faithful woman. Number one, 
women of faith exhibit real problems. If you notice back there where we read in verses 1 through 8, she has a problem. She's grieving. She wants children. She, she hasn't had any children. Now, this other wife, by the way, don't ever take two wives, men. Not only is it not ever, not only is it ever promoted in the Bible, I still think God has the principle of one man for one woman. And so, but don't ever marry two wives. Have you ever thought about this? You'd have two mothers-in-law. Here's a woman, she had problems. We're talking about a woman of faith. We're talking about a faithful woman. She is a hero, but she's got problems. She wants a baby. And in those days, that was a woman's primary. Her chief purpose was to be a mother. And she doesn't have any children. And she wants a child. She wants one badly. It's been a long time and she's waited. And she wants a baby, but she hadn't had one. It says that the Lord had shut up her womb. She's got a problem. Ladies, can I just tell you that you can be the best mother on the face of the earth, but that doesn't mean you won't have problems. You can be the most faithful lady ever, but like the rest of us, you have some problems. And so this woman, Hannah, she was a hero, but she had problems. She was spiritually disturbed, She was socially embarrassed and disgraced, and she was emotionally distressed. You ever get that way? And it's not just limited to women. You can try to be a good Christian, and you can still have problems. Remember Job? Job was a believer. He loved the Lord, but he had problems. Well, Hannah joins a long list of women in the Bible who battled barrenness. Uh, You remember back Sarah, Abraham's wife, remember that? And uh, Rebecca, Isaac's wife. And you'll also remember Rachel and Ruth, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. All of those ladies experienced barrenness for some time. And We'll have problems. Ladies, you'll have problems no matter how good you try to be. Well, Elkanah would take his family up to worship at Shiloh. That was probably about 30, 35 miles away. And they didn't have cars. <laughs> and uh, they, didn't have, they didn't have trains and planes and buses. So they had to hoof it or ride an animal. They didn't even have sunglasses in those days. Going west would be troublesome. (laughs) But he was faithful. Elkanah, you know, we read about there in, in, uh, what was it, in the third verse about Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, the preacher's boys. They were the worst of the crowd. Preacher's sons are always that way. He didn't even notice that. Eli's sons were mean and nasty, selfish, vile, profane. They were religious, going through the ceremonies. And so Elkanah was taking his family up to worship. Now he could have said, he could have said, look, he could have said, man, that's too far. We've got to go up those dusty, rocky roads. 
We've got to climb hills and go through valleys and cross streams. We've got to go way up there. He could have said that, but he didn't. He could have said, he could have said man, we, we're poor. We don't have money to give an offering. He could have said that, but he didn't. He could have said, I don't even like the preacher's kids that's running the service. They're sorry, sorry individuals. I don't like the ministers there, so I probably shouldn't even go. He never said that. You know what he said? He said, I'm a believer, and the Lord is good regardless of whatever else happens, and I ought to go to worship the Lord. Don't you wish that today that everybody that names the name of Christ and loves the Lord, don't you wish that they felt that way about the house of the Lord? They'd go faithfully to worship the Lord. Man, that's the way it ought to be. A mother that's a hero is going to go along with her family to worship the Lord. Well, let me hurry on. I'm going to <laughs> I can tell I'm going to disappoint my wife. She's keeping the nursery. See, she notices when the service is long. <laughs> you didn't get that? You spend, you spend an hour or two hours in the nursery, and you'll notice how, how long the preacher went. Well, faithful moms can have problems just like everybody else, but Hannah didn't run from her family, and she didn't run from God. Now, there's a second thing to notice. Women of faith express vibrant prayers. In verses 9 through 18, she goes to the temple, and she's bitter. Old Elkanah said, honey, he said, you, you, ought, to, you ought not to uh, fail to eat. You need to eat. And, and anyway, I know you don't, have, you don't have a child. You don't have sons. But look, you got me. Every husband thinks he's the... Hero of the family, don't we? And, and he said, it don't matter if you don't have sons. You've got me, and I'm better than ten sons. But I don't think that did much for her. Sometimes we, we men give our wives, I think we may write them off a little too quickly about their feelings, their emotions, and the troubles they're having. And we give them answers that they didn't ask for and didn't need and wasn't very accurate in the first place. But he said, you ought to go eat, and you ought not to be crying. You got me. Well, she had better sense. She got up, she went to the temple, and she knelt on the steps, and she began to pour her heart out to God. You see, Elkanah couldn't fix her problems. Hey, it's great to have a, a loving husband. It's great to have a loving wife, but they can't fix all your problems. But you've got a God in heaven who can. And she knelt on those steps, and she began to pray. And she had a vibrant prayer. And it reminds us of Psalm 119.71, uh, she's afflicted, but, but she says that this is good. And she begins to pour out her heart and her griefs and her afflictions to the Lord. Wouldn't it be better if everybody did like this hero mother? Instead of going around and gossiping and complaining and bellyaching to everybody else, we just poured our afflictions out to God. Well, that's what she did. She went and knelt and began to pray. Psalm 119, 171 said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. God let her go through these things, not because God didn't love her. God let her go through these things, these afflictions, to make her better instead of bitter. In verse number 10 in our text, in 1 Samuel, it says, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the, the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and forget not 
and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Well, her weeping led to worship. You know, God lets us weep sometimes to draw us closer to him. The Bible says that he keeps our tears in a bottle. And he knows every tear that you shed. Doesn't the Bible say that he, he even has the hairs of our head numbered? And so he knows every tear that you shed and why. And he keeps those tears in a bottle. He never forgets. He knows the anguish of your heart. And he noticed the anguish of Hannah's heart. She said, I'll give him back to you, Lord, if you'll give me a man-child. You see, Hannah, now she's learned something through her tears and her affliction and her griefs. She's learned that children are not just for the mother. Children are for the Lord. Children are an heritage of the Lord. And when God gives us children, we, like Hannah, ought to say, Lord, I'll give them back to you. I'll make sure they grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'll make sure that, that they live for you and they'll be trained and we'll bring them up in a way where they will honor you. You know what? In America, we wouldn't have nearly so many riots and killings and burnings and, and so much unruly law-breaking going on if mothers taught their children just to love God. You belong to Him. You're not your own. You're bought with a price, the Scripture says. Well, verse 12 says she just kept on praying, kept on praying. And her quiet prayer kind of got the priest's attention. He said, woman, you're drunk. Get up out of there and get home. Sober up. She said, oh, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I hadn't been drinking. You see, My lips were moving, but I was praying in my heart. She was not like the Pharisees of the New Testament. She wasn't praying to be seen and heard of others. She was praying in her heart because she wanted to connect with God. And she did. Now Eli, passing a little judgment upon her, thought she was drunk. She said, no, I haven't been drinking. I'm pouring my heart out to the Lord. You see, I don't want to become and stay bitter. Well, after she's finished praying, Eli, after he realizes that, hey, she's not drunk, then he said, may the Lord grant it as you have asked. He was putting his amen on her prayer. (laughs) And so after the, the man of God said, may it be according to what you've asked, she got up. You see, praying, when you have poured your heart out to God, listen to me, mothers, Fathers, everybody, when we pour our heart out to God, then things begin to get different because we know we've, we've appealed to the highest court in the world, in the universe. We've appealed to the Lord, the Creator. And when she got up off of her knees that day, you remember where we read there just a little bit ago? It says that she got up and her countenance changed. Instead of being bitter and frowning, her smile turned back right side up because she knew she had gone to the Lord. If he can't do it, nobody can. And so she had done all she could do. She prayed to the Lord. You know, when you've prayed the best you can, you've taken everything to the Lord. 
You're taking your griefs to him, your sorrows and your wants and your needs. <clears throat> he has a way of giving you a, a peace that passes all understanding. Only those who have prayed through that barrier know what that means. Boy, he just gives you that peace. John R. Rice, the old evangelist, said he and his wife uh, had a sick child and they had her at the hospital and they were praying and praying and praying there at the hospital. And He said they got off in a room by themselves and they prayed and prayed and prayed nearly all night. The, the baby was about at the point of death. And he said we prayed and prayed and prayed till we felt like we just prayed through that barrier. He said we got up off our knees and washed our face and smiled and ate. We just felt like everything's in the hands of the Lord and it's going to be okay. Little girl did this, did survive. But even if they don't survive, when we've surrendered to him, he knows best. Well, Susanna Wesley spent see Hannah here is a hero because she said, If you give me a baby, Lord, I'll give that baby back to you to serve you with his whole life. Susanna Wesley spent an extended time each day praying for her. 17 children. She prayed for each one of them individually and for a long time. And she'd give them time on top of that. She'd give them personal instruction every day. She'd take each one of those 17 children. On top of all of her other duties of the household, she would take each child privately and instruct them and teach them in the things of the Lord. 17 kids. She had her own congregation. And she was teaching those kids. No wonder Charles and uh, John turned out to be well-known ministers of the gospel of the Lord. A woman of faith exhibits real problems. She expresses vibrant prayers. And three, women of faith experience God's provision. Now let me go a little bit faster. She got what she asked for. She prayed for that child and... The last few verses we read in our text this morning says they went home and she's eating and smiling and everything's going good because she thinks God's going to take care. She's put everything into the hands of the Lord and the Bible says then she, then she conceived and bare a man child. Now you, you may not have a child when you pray. You see, God doesn't answer the same prayer for everybody the same way. But listen, God always provides God always provides. The Apostle Paul went to the Lord three times and said, Lord, take this thorn from my flesh. And the Lord said, well, I'm not going to do it. It's not that God couldn't do it. He said, I'm not going to do it. This is for your own good because you need this. And when you suffer with this and you're afflicted with this thorn in the flesh, I won't take it away, but I'll give you my grace and you'll get through it with my grace. You had grace in Sunday school this morning as part of a series. Grace is what gets you through the things you can't change. And grace gets you through it with a smile on your face. And grace gets you what you need, whether it's what you thought you needed or not. God knows best. Women of faith experience God's provision. I read somewhere where it was one out of six women can't conceive. It might be that they prayed diligently and hard for a baby and it didn't happen. But here's what we're talking about. We're talking about women of faith. 
heroes in the home. We're talking about women who are faithful, no matter whether they get what they ask for or not, they're still faithful. There's a lot of things you can do, but there's some things you can't do. But one thing you can do is be faithful. You can be faithful. Women of faith, number four, excel at keeping their promises. She had said, Lord, if you'll give me a man-child when he's, when he's old enough, I'll give him back to you. And she kept him home uh, for a few years till he was weaned, the scripture says. If we read on there, it says, verse 21, And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer uh, unto the Lord yearly the sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child, uh, until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. Look here, she made a promise. She said, Lord, you give me that baby. You give me that boy. I'll give him back to you. And she kept her promise. As soon as that baby was weaned, she took him up. Now we're talking about a little toddler, not, not as any bigger than I was when I was in the middle of the store looking for my mama with the flowered dress. And he, she took him, that little toddler. Could you do that? Is that something you feel like you could do? You ought to if you promised. <laughs> Hannah said, I'll do it. And when that, as soon as that baby boy was weaned, she took him up. When they went up to worship, they never quit worshiping the Lord. They remained faithful. And when that little boy was able to eat solid food, she took him up there and lift, left him with the preacher. Now, if any of you think about getting rid of your kids, don't bring them to me. <laughs> we raised our family already. Don't want none of those little rascals around. I'm glad mothers love their kids. You know what Hannah did? She trained him while she had him at home. Because it says, if we read on there, it says when she took him up there, that the child went there to worship too. You mean a child that little could worship the Lord? Charles Spurgeon said, if you take, give me a, uh, if you take a child of four or five years old who's been instructed properly in the word of God, they can be saved just as surely as an adult. And this boy had been trained because she believed, Hannah the hero believed in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. It says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, in thine house, and walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. A mothers, hero mothers, they train their children from time they're little. Mothers even talk to their children before they're born, and they say that babies in the womb can recognize the voice of their mother before they're born. And this mother trained that little boy up so he was able to worship as soon as he was taken up to the priest. Faithful women. Let me give you the last one. Women of faith explode with praise. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we, we see a magnificat. We see a deep praise of Hannah. After she's taken the little boy up and she's left him with the priest, she's given up her son. And now she's on her way back home without her baby boy. 
And she's praising the Lord. She's not praising her son's beauty. She's not praising him for being handsome. She's not praising that little boy for being smart. She's praising the Lord. She's praising the giver rather than the gift. And she's on her way home. And Hannah prayed, verse 1 of chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Oh, listen, she worshiped the Lord and she had taught that little boy to worship the Lord. Oh, what a mother she was. A hero. Hannah is an example of a faithful woman. Faithful. 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 She was the kind of woman that wanted her little boy to be trained in the things of the Lord, be brought upright, so his life could be spent serving God. What time we're here, I mean... We can spend our life doing about anything we want to do. But is there anything more valuable than living for Him? Because those things will last for eternity. Reminds me of the little, little family that had been to church one Sunday and they were on their way back home. It had been a baby dedication Sunday and, and the little boy in the back seat, his bigger brother of the little baby that had been dedicated that Sunday and the little boy in the back seat, he's crying and crying and crying. And uh, the... The mother finally looked back there. She'd asked him three times, what's wrong with you? And he hadn't answered. And she asked him the third time, said, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? He said, mommy, that preacher said that he thought every child should grow up in a Christian home, but I'd rather stay with you and dad. (laughs) Well, I think we ought to have a Christian home, don't you? Hannah knew how to make a home that loved the Lord. I made a post on Facebook a few days ago. I might have been yesterday. I can't remember now, but it was, this is the gist of it. You're not called to preach? Be faithful. You don't feel led to teach? Just be faithful. You can't, can't sing? Just be faithful. You can't be a dynamic personality that's the life of the party? Just be faithful. There's a lot of things you might not be able to do, but one thing every mother and every human being can do is be faithful. I viewed an old sermon that I'd preached years and years ago. And I go back and look, see... If you think my sermons are bad now, you ought to go back and look at some of the ones I used to preach. <laughs> I, I was looking at an old sermon, and it was, it was an illustration that I came across in that old sermon about my mother. She was 84 at the time, and she was in the hospital. And in that illustration, I said, I went to see my mother in the hospital. She was having heart surgery, and she was really... In bad shape. And at 84, you know, anything can happen. And so there in the hospital, I tried to comfort her and, and be a blessing to her. And before I left that day at the hospital, I leaned over and kissed her on the forehead, told my mother I loved her. 
And in that illustration, I, my mother was still living when I preached that sermon. I said, I fully realized that day when I kissed her on the forehead that one day I'd kiss her on earth for the last time. She had always been proud of her baby boy. I was a rascal as a teenager. I drank and did drugs and I lived awful. It was an awful life. I mean, nobody should do that. Nobody. But I lived in such a way. But she, she loved the Lord and she prayed for me. She prayed for me through thick and thin. When I didn't live right, she still prayed and loved me. And as the years passed, after she was, I was saved then, when she was 84 and in the hospital, already called to preach. When I got called to preach, she, I got saved and then called to preach. Boy, she was so happy. She, she was just all bubbly and thought I was just, she always thought I was the greatest kid in the family, and I think I was. But when I, when I got saved and called to preach, she was so proud of me. And she told me when she was in her 80s, she said, son, you're the best preacher that I know. You remember that now. Remember what mother said. <laughs> she said, you're the best preacher I know. She said, I want you to preach my funeral. I said, I don't know, Mom. That sounds kind of tough. She said, well, if, if you can't, well, it's okay, but I'd like for you to preach my funeral. I said, I'll, I'll do it. At 89, she passed away. I, I did my best to hold my composure, and I did through the funeral. But when it was over, after doing my best to honor my mother, I turned to the casket. After everybody else had filed out, I bent over the casket and kissed my mother's cheek one last time on earth. You don't know when that last time will be. And I just tell you, kids, husbands, you better treat that mother right you better treat her right now while you can because when I think back of all the grief I caused her, I'm afraid I gave her much more grief than I did joy. Oh, I wish I could go back and change some things, but you can't. Instead of sending flowers and hoping to make up for the times you've disappointed your mother, your wife, instead of waiting to send flowers, why don't you just go ahead and kiss her now? And why don't you just go ahead and love her now? And why don't you go ahead and show her the appreciation she deserves now? Because the flowers she won't ever see. Treat her right, right now. Mom, the best thing you can do for your family, if you're not saved, there's no other way to make it into heaven. You can't get into heaven by your own good deeds. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. It's by His mercy, His grace, by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. That's the only thing that will forgive your sins. You can't go to heaven with your sins, but Jesus can take them away. And the best thing you can do, mother, for your family, 
is to leave a testimony that you knew Jesus as Savior. Then when they kiss you in that casket for the last time, if you're a Christian too, you can say, I'll see her again. Love your mother now. Don't wait to show it later. Respect your mother now. Don't grieve her heart and then try to make up for it later. Love your mother right now. Hannah was a hero. And there's hero mothers all through this congregation this morning. God bless the mothers today. Can we pray together? Father, we love you. Thank you for a special time we've had to honor mothers. And Lord, we know that they are heroes. And Lord, regardless of what our thoughts are about Mother's Day, Lord, I pray you'd help every person in this room who has a living mother to go to them, send them a card, give them a call, take them out. And not just on this special day, but Lord, help us to be good to our mothers every single day. Lord, I pray you'd bless us. Lord, I pray that every mother in this room is saved today. And if not, Lord, may this be the day that they turn their heart towards Christ and say, Lord, I am a sinner, but I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. I believe Jesus died for me, and I want to receive him today as my Savior. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.